Hello and welcome to the Flatback 3 podcast. My name is Toby Wellington and I am joined today by Adam Mann for another interview special. But before we get started, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel and get engaged with all of the content. You can, of course, listen to us on Spotify as well, wherever you get your podcasts from or watch every episode on YouTube. But as I say, today I am joined by the man, Adam Mann. Manny, how are you, mate? Okay. Here we go then. <laughs> Mr. Here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first things first, though. Can you give me a oh yeah? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Can you give me a better one than that? No. I'll give you. I will give you a better one by the end of the show. But you've got to give me one of your best efforts, and then well, I'll. Right uh, I'll right tell you now. what. At the end, I'll tell you what, we'll finish it with an all year each. That's the way we'll do it. That's the best way to round off an episode, I think. But you're joining us from Chicago, Illinois, which is the longest distance interview we've had ever on any of the podcasts that I've done. So you must be honoured to be joining us. But what is it, 9.30 over there, nice and early? Nice and early, 9.30. I guess this makes your podcast officially international. Uh... This is it. We've spread overseas now. The, the 15 have spread across to the US with <laughs> with the glorious guest of Adam Mann. But obviously you're um, joining us from Chicago. You've lived there now what? How long have you been living in Chicago now? Uh, so we moved to Chicago end of January. So we, we have been over it for a little while, but uh, actually finding a place obviously takes some time. So hmm. Chicago from the end of January. So yeah, looking at five five six weeks now uh nice, yeah it's uh, uh we're adapting obviously my wife's <laughs> not, so uh she, she's jumped back in but she's actually probably more british than i am and i'm enjoying yeah. in british, the american side uh way more i'm uh officially a uh, fully fledged soccer fan now rather than a football fan right so you have made the transition to calling it soccer by accident that's not the bad that's not the worst thing for being there but it's bad for this because this is a football podcast unfortunately um, oh. <laughs> so we're going to talk all the things about your career obviously um in terms of the the playing time in england that you had when you were at um clubs in the vanarama national league north and south but obviously talk very quickly about your football now you're not currently playing in america but you do have the ambition to play that's right isn't it yeah it's uh Finding finding my feet, obviously having to sort out my visa and everything like that causes a bit of a, a transition. But their season is just sort of kicking in uh, to play now. They kind of have like a winter break. Uh, Going to try. There is also an indoor pro league, so I might end up being involved in that uh, to make it like a all year round thing. But we, we'll have to see. It's um, by all means, I want to play, but it's also um, I'm having to be that guy over here where uh, you know you message the club and you say, "Oh, is it okay if I get a trial?" But they call it a yeah. tryout. So when I said trial to the first two clubs, they thought I was a convict. I was going to say it comes across really well, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, can I come on trial? They're thinking, "Is this guy all right?" I uh, and you know when you kind of got to sell yourself or anything like that, and I thought. It won't really get me far when I say I'm a bang average 30-year-old. They think, Christ, he's past it and he's overweight. So, uh, of course, <laughs> I won't do. I don't know. Are you, are you still hanging on to the... I can't see because you're wearing a hat. Are you still hanging on to the blonde highlights or are they gone now? So, no, blonde highlights are gone, but now I've turned into... It's grew. It's grew. It's, it's Look at that. 
That's it's, an absolute uh, mop, that is. It is. Um, do you know what? I, I saw Sterney and I saw he lost his hair at this mm. age. So I thought, I've got to grow it out. I've got to do a gap bear. Just make sure it just keeps going. We'll call it the reverse stern. We'll call it the reverse stern. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it instead of lose it. It's the best way to go. Oh, it's, it's got to that age. And have you been? Have you managed to get home and see much soccer or football or whatever you want to call it? Have you been to see the fire or anything like that yet, or is it just a case of not being able to yet? Uh, I haven't. Oh, I've actually went and watched uh, uh, ice hockey game the Blackhawks, which was honestly nice. unbelievable. I wasn't expecting anything from it. I just turned up and thought, oh, "Let's see uh, what's, what it's like." And let me tell you, they're um, they play Chelsea dagger after every goal, and fireworks are going off indoors i'm thinking this is unbelievable <laughs> um but americans do sport very well to be fair they love the entertainment side of it especially if you're going as a neutral it was great i will go see the fire they their season's just started um they they just signed shakiri from yeah they have haven't they yeah from so that was a big that's a it just that shows you that the mls has come a long way if they're getting shakiri Hmm. We actually did a podcast a few weeks ago about like the validity of the MLS and whether it's actually um, increased in its popularity as much as its um, like validity as a top league because you know Lorenzo Insigne is going to sign there in the summer after he leaves Napoli. They've obviously got players going over there in dribs and drabs, but it's um, it's a growing league. But I think we agreed on the fact that it's still a money league at the minute more than anything. But in terms of your ambitions, what? Obviously, you say about indoor, I'm sure that's just because you want to stay out of the wind and the rain. But in terms of, is there a level you're looking to play at necessarily or are you just going to go as high as possible? Uh, so, yeah, so to break it down, funnily enough, when I first signed at Gloucester, there was a guy who lived in Gloucester, who was an agent, and he actually was involved in the US side. And I was like 18 years old at the time. And lo and behold, like 10 years later, I messaged him saying, look, John, I'm, I'm actually heading over. You got anyone that you can speak to? So there is... He's been speaking to people, but you've got to remember that the country is ridiculously big. So uh, we're obviously following where my wife's got work and I'm trying to make it work in a moment and see what happens. But over the next year, I will probably go trial it. The, the USL is the league below the MLS and it is a pro league still. And it seems to be pretty good. So just to put in the context, I see the, the closest club to me is Indy 11, which is Indiana. And they have Nicky Law playing, who's a extra oh, yeah. legend. So he's, you know, he's played over 300 football league games. So if he's running the show there, it shows you that the standard is respectable. But again, to add to your side of the what American leagues are, I'd call it the uh, the retirement home for good football players. You know, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds like you fit in really well, mate. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm definitely against the retirement age, but I wouldn't call it a good football player. They might need a good kit, man. Oh. I give you, I give you good, mate. I wouldn't say you're that bad, yeah. I, uh, well, that's based on seeing you a couple of years ago when you were with City full time. But let's talk about your career in England very briefly. So obviously broke through at Gloucester City. It's fair to say that was your first big, um, like come through season. Is that fair to say? I, mm -hmm. I ask as you take a massive mouthful of water. Yeah, no, that's good. That bad time for me. I uh, that is definitely where it all began. I. I was actually at Forest Green before they were the money club. And um, I actually nearly had a sniff again, a pro deal there when uh, Jim Harvey was manager. And um, the, the the luck I had with two, I'll tell you the two scenarios of me nearly getting a pro deal both fell through. And I reckon 
it I've come to superstition that if the manager's bold, then I'm their bad omen because Jim Harvey was a bold manager and the other guy who I'll talk about in a moment was uh, Steve Burr. He was at Kidderminster. So when I was so just saying, a, just a, on a side note, if Sterney ever offers you the opportunity to play for him, it's a solid no. It's a solid no, and, and he is also bold, and he's a bad omen for me, so he's a pain in my heart. <laughs> he's, uh, he, uh, it, was, it was a strange one. Yeah, I was 16, and I, I banged a load of goals in the, the youth league there, went up to the under-18s, uh, 15, 16, and I, I'd done well for this season. And uh, uh, the gym, he was big on the youth, and he, he gave me a chance to play, and I played against uh, Leeds in a pre-season game. That was my, uh, like, come on for 10 minutes. But the, the story behind it was he actually got sacked that day. Oh, so Bad result he, against Leeds then, was it? it? You know what? It was a great result as well. I remember coming on, I was buzzing. Um, he said to me in training the day before, look, you're going to get a run out against Leeds. Um, I thought, and my dad's a big Leeds fan. So it was, it was one of them moments. Where I thought, oh, this is unbelievable. I think it's all coming together. He's gonna, he said he's going to give me a, basically a deal afterwards. And uh, apparently the club, um, this is when Dale Vince started to come in. I think he had a massive fallout with Jim Harvey and uh, he left and he went to another club. And uh, he went, not only that, he went to like a Conference North club or something like that. So it was a big bust up and then uh, another guy came in and he he had different ideas. He was more involved in getting league players on loan, like young lads. Yeah. And that was me. I was I was at Hartbury College at the time, and uh, I yeah, I kind of began my college, and then signed for Gloucester City, which uh, yeah was an unbelievable experience. Let me tell you. I mean, I I signed a whopping contract for twenty five pound a week. Huge, huge. No no expense, no expenses either, mind. So training twice a week and playing away on a Saturday it was costing me money. Oh, I bet, I bet. Especially when you're in the Northern Leagues as well, as a club playing from Gloucester, it's quite a lot of travelling. Conference, that's it. Conference North is brutal. I mean, the South's pretty good, depending on your location, obviously, but Gloucester was the most Southern North club. They shouldn't have been in it. They should have always been in the South, but the logistics meant they was in the North. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. There was, you know, the, the Newcastle away trips, you know, Blythe and... They were actually probably the more enjoyable ones because we did um, have a night out in Newcastle after. We'd all, uh, <laughs> the overnight stays. But, uh, well, yeah, that was the thing. So Gloss's money was so tight that they actually said to us, you can have a pre-match overnight on a Friday and pay for your own on a Saturday or you can save your money and we'll pay for your Saturday night um, <laughs> thing. And we were all like, stop doing up on the Friday. We'd go up on a Saturday, get a free yeah. night and uh, made the most of it. But, it was uh, obviously I'm from Gloucester too, so I was a homeboy club, and I wasn't. I was just excited to play men's football and be part of it. We were playing at Warden Road, Cheltenham at the time because the ground obviously flooded. So yeah. it was it was a great time. I was learning a lot. Uh, the I tell you a funny story that my my manager Boris, he won't mind me telling him saying about this because people don't like talk about money, but it's I mean it's that ridiculous. It's funny now. I obviously I'm on £25 a week. It's like January. We're always fighting relegation, but we always managed to stay up. Um, he's pulled me on a Thursday night and he's like, Manny, I can't believe I've got to do this. But uh, one of our strikers is on contract and we were having a budget cut. 
and he's refusing to take a cut. So everyone else is going to have to take a cut. And I was like, <laughs> right. He goes, I'm going to have to take £10 a week off you. Oh, wow. So I went down to £15 a week. Playing the Conference North as well, which is a <laughs> decent standard. <laughs> to play, so, so if anyone can ever say I play for, for money and not love at this moment, yeah. it was... Oh. Oh, absolutely okay. mate I mean that uh, like you said the travel as well and I'm, I'm very much of the opinion with you that Gloucester City should never really be playing in the north because logistically it makes no sense but they're in there again this season and struggling again they're not a club that have really ever they've never really taken that step towards a promotion although this season it did look okay with a bit of money and they've gone full-time last year I think but um, yeah I mean how long were you at Gloucester City then in the end? Uh, so it was, it was about, my tenure was probably about six years. I remember I did, so I did leave, well, I did go out on loan twice and come back. So it was very much a love. I, me and Boris, the, the dog Dave Mayhew, the, the gaffer there, we, he was great. And I remember when I was 18 and he would, he was very strict and, uh, you know, it was, I don't know, he was bossy, I guess is the best way mm. of thing. You know, he, he very OCD, he liked his things, but. He always said to me, like, this will do you good stead in the long run. And I now I'm 30 years old, he's not wrong. Like he, I learned a lot. I played left back, left wing, I played all over. Um Christ. And then you ended up up front slash on the wing for Bath in the years I knew you. Was it was it ever a case that you were you always a striker or did you move from midfield into playing up front? Or how did that sort of happen? Uh I was always a striker and I was a striker at Forest Green. And then at Gloucester, he turned me into a left winger. Uh, and then kind of like a left back one of the lads broke his leg and I went left back probably purely because we didn't have many left footers and <laughs> I was young and I could get up and down the pitch so it was it was kind of forced in some situations but then Hartbury also turned me into a left back too because we had right. basically everyone that goes to Hartbury is either a centre mid or a striker um, <laughs> so you and you, had a left, have, and you had a left foot which makes you appealing character and don't get me wrong, the, the, the ilk of players I had at Harbury College when I was playing. So to put into context, the striker now plays, uh, he played in the World Cup of 2016. He was a Ghanaian lad. The left winger was a, another Ghanaian we had over called TT. He actually plays in the MLS now. Um, the, oh, the keeper was, uh, he went back home and played pro in Ghana. The, the centre mids um, both went on and had careers in the pro game. So our team was just full of, unbelievable quality so I just had to find a space really so left back was me <laughs> you and, were literally uh, the joke of left back in the changing room sort of thing you were just shoved into the left back position or it was changing rooms it was yeah it was by default so <laughs> I had a left foot and I was happy to run up and down and basically pass the ball to the good players it was great yeah. so we uh we had a I had a blast it was a it was a, a great time to uh that time of football, I was playing a lot. Obviously, men's football there. I was playing a Tuesday night. I'd be like Boston away. And then Wednesday would be the, the college game. So I was playing upwards of probably 80 to 90 games a season. I don't know how I've done it now. Um, mm. But it was it was great for development, I guess. And it was, I definitely was enjoying it. I uh, done that. I did go, obviously, I travelled to America because of my degree and coached mm. over it for a summer. It was the first real time I explored, I'd say. And uh, I come back, obviously, a little bit overweight because America's, uh, you know, the land of indulgence. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boris said to me, he's like, I, I can't play you. I, and we and him, 
been, you know, as it was it was time for us to have a little break from each other. So I went to a team <laughs> called Shortwood and uh, I went to Shortwood and um, Alex Sykes was there, who I think Cinderford manager now and mm. top top man. And he took me in his wing and mate, we, that was when we got the FA Cup run and we played Port Vale at home in the first round. Wow, that's amazing. And that in that season, how did you get on in the league as well? Was that just sort of a cup run season or did you have a decent league season as well? It was again, it was uh, it was a touch of heartbreak class. We there was a lad called Jake Parrott and um James Baldwin, and James Baldwin actually got a move from Shortwood to a Swedish club, uh, oh, which is like interesting transfer, <laughs> yeah, from the Southern League One to uh, uh, Swedish Prem. So it was um, it was a great season. They actually went on a run, I think they did, they got to the playoffs and they didn't win but I left I was only there three months I I literally had the FA Cup run we went on an unbelievable run you know we had to win like 10 games the the actual bet the better night was old shot away we we scored in the 93rd minute which funnily enough the striker was an older shot fan and he scored a 93rd minute he was actually from a reserves and come on scored last minute at home so we had to go older shot away on a Tuesday night and uh honestly it was a, again just a wild night because we were four leagues below them thinking mm-hmm. oh we got not much chance um kieran gibbs the arsenal uh left back left back his uh brother or cousin was playing like so and also um oh ashley young's like brother or something was oh playing. Yeah, they, lewis young yeah so they lewis had like, young's big, winger, yeah. big young lads like uh which you know when you're a bit starstruck, you think, oh wow. Because I remember I think they said Ashley Young was in the stands, and uh you just kind of think, Oh, this is this is great, a great experience. And uh lo and behold, we went one nil down early doors. And I remember and coming in at half time, and I wouldn't say I necessarily was playing bad, but they were looking for me and the other lad, the Duncan Kelly at the time, to kind of do something. Mm. And arguably we weren't getting much of the ball. But I remember my manager come in, it was John Evans, he was so it's him and Alex Sykes. And he uh, he taught me a new one. I'm not gonna lie. He he was like, "You want to be a big game player and all this?" And he's like, "You look like you shit yourself." I don't know if I'm trying to do this. Sorry about. It's um, fine, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, you can bleep it out. And uh, and he's like, "I need something from you." And I was like, "Okay, mate." And the chairman come in, right? And I'm not joking you. He couldn't have been more asked if we tried. He come in. He's like, "Lads, he's on his phone." Googling <laughs> uh, on eBay, sorry, golf sets because he's going to Dubai, right? Nice. And he's come in. Always good. Bear in mind, this is a massive game. He's like, lads, he's like, look, you come back and win this game, I'll take you to Vegas. So we're all like looking around going, oh my God, he's chucked Vegas out there. Anyway, so <laughs> That's all you needed. It, it, that was all we needed because I remember we got a penalty about 10 minutes into the second half. The lad scored a dunker and, and mate, I... I'm good because there's definitely footage of this somewhere, but no one's older shot never released it because of its embarrassment. But mate, I've got given the ball from about 30 yards out, took a couple of touches, and I thought I'm going to whack it. Mate, and all <laughs> I remember is it hitting the side net in, going in, and I'm running to our 100 Shortwood fans thinking, we're 2 1 up with like 30 minutes to play. And it was an unbelievable moment. We literally parked the bus, we got the driver to park the bus for 30 minutes. They had something like 25 corners. <laughs> and we just, they just could not score. And we, we've we come away. And to be fair, the old shot fans clapped us off. And it was unbelievable. We come into the change rooms like, hey, we're going to Vegas. And Did you the go? And the looking at us like, 
oh no, shit, I've just told him I've got about 30 grand to spend here. But he, in fairness, he didn't take us to Vegas, but he paid for our tour. We went to um, Tenerife, all inclusive, paid for. Uh, so in fairness, you know, he did drop some money, but I was still good because Vegas would have been... Yeah, I mean, like, there's that classic adage of, like, when you get the ball 30 yards out, you see your name in lights. But, in fact, you saw the lights of Las Vegas' strip instead of your name, which honestly, is the irony of it all, because you didn't go. I, I, honestly, ever since then, I've had pieces there, I'm like, right, every time we're 1-0 down at halftime, I'm like, right, if I'm going to Vegas, if I score it, and then I'll, I'll always bring it back. It's great. <laughs> So then obviously went from Shortwood back to Gloucester and then the move was, we obviously talked about it before we muted myself there, sorry. Um, so it was from Gloucester, you moved to Bath City, but that was via Swindon Supermarine. Is that, the, I'll let you sort of tell the story as to how that summer unfolded for you. Oh yeah, so just before then, I did spend three and a half, four seasons at Eversham. Uh, hmm. So I went back to Gloucester and it was a new manager called Tim Harris. And again, great top bloke. He, um, Gloucester through and through. Uh, he brought me back because, um, again, it was relegation scrap and mm. we stayed up. We come back, stayed up. It was not saying I was the saviour, but I definitely helped. Um, <laughs> Came back uh, and saved him. It's fine. Yeah, it was. He come back. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, with Tim, he, he's very much, you know, I don't want to say a conveyor about players, but you know, if you're out of form, then you will be out of the team for a bit. And I went on loan to Eversham, which is, I will say, my all-time, one of my all-time favourite managers. He's a good friend of mine, uh, Paul Collica. He's, uh, if you ever got the experience to work with him, then you'll know what I mean, because he loves football. I mean, it's probably cost him two marriages, but he, <laughs> he it's like his baby. And, um, he, that's, this was again back down to the Southern League I'd say Eversham was but you, we were like the Chelsea of the Southern League because their budget was great and he's a butcher so when you get man of the match you get 20 steaks oh well that, that'll see you over for a while because if you're on 15 quid a game steaks don't come cheap that's it honestly you got more, <laughs> you made more money getting man of the match than you did in the thing but Eversham was uh, it was a great time we got we got three out of the four playoffs the one uh, we we missed by a point, so we nearly made four playoffs. So I'm, you'll soon find out I'm the playoff king because I made two at Bath. I made three out of the four seasons at Eversham, and then Gloucester was always a relegation scrap because of the money side of things. But uh, never, never promoted though, so that's why I'm the playoff king. But absolute shambles anytime. So what? That. So what happened in each promotion campaign with Eversham? Then you sort of got to the final, and then it just fell apart or you came up against someone better than you? How did it sort of unfold? Uh, I would honestly say falling apart is definitely the first one, I would say so. And do you know, I've never made to, in the playoffs, it works with like a semi-final and final always. I've never made the final. We've always lost um, first leg, which is an embarrassment really, but so the saviour of the saviour of Gloucester City, but the punisher of Evesham almost, I, or the playoff I, punisher or whatever. Toby, I can get you to a playoff, no problem. I I'll carry all season, but don't play me in the playoff because it so what goes we want to do. So what we want to do with clubs in America when you're advertising yourself and you recommend they listen to this to sort of put across yourself as PR is say that you want to give Adam Mann a deal until three weeks before the playoff final, and then he'll get you to the playoffs and then just sack him off so that he's not part of the squad, get promoted, and then get him back on a bigger contract. 
that pretty much, yeah, I can tell you, I can be consistent until the end of the season, but as long as they keep me as a DJ and I'll, uh, yeah, I can just be the all round top bloke. I'll just be the banner bus for a bit because uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's, I will say in the playoffs, so Eversham, we went 30 games and beaten or something like it's crazy to get in there. And, uh, the so we were like the top one so we were playing at home leg and we we played a team called Larkor which is obviously a bad place yeah, yeah. um and they snuck in last game of the season and let me tell you we was very I don't want to say we we're arrogant I, I had this worrying feeling that it was never this always happens in playoffs the team yeah. that sneaks in always does well well they they were we were three nil down at half time yeah at home three nil down and I'm not joking you uh I was, we were just shell-shocked, really. I think we had a couple of lads that weren't, I'll be honest, weren't ready for a, weren't ready for it. They just looked nervous, wouldn't give away a pen. It just, it was just things that, you know, basic things that happen in big moments. Uh, the second one, we played Salisbury away. Oh, that's really tough. Uh, to be fair, the goal I scored in that, so on Instagram, we had a player sent off after 30 minutes. Always good. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's just what you need on a thing. And uh, in fairness, they have a white kit and he's nailed this guy. And he's like, ref, I haven't touched you. And you look at his leg and he's bleeding like down his sock. Like, <laughs> it was one of them where like, Ash, you, you're going to go, mate. You, can yeah, you can't it. cover it up very well. <laughs> but it actually gave us um, this resilience and we went 1-0 down. And then I've scored in the 85th minute. And... We were unbelievable, and we even got to the 120th minute of extra time. And uh, they've got a penalty in the 120th minute. Mm, and uh, the lad, yeah, the lad scored. He went straight in the middle. I was good. I've actually got a great picture of that. There's me facing away from goal, not looking because I was that good. And uh, the guy, that, that lad actually scored, he now plays for certain, I think. Oh, because right. Salisbury, Salisbury went through that liquidation period where they started down in the lower leagues again and worked their way back up. That would have been a horrible time to play them. Um, it was, Because yeah, they, were, really, they were yeah. back on the rise. Because Steve Claridge was their manager back then as well. I think he's still there. He was. Do you know what? So you've reminded me, that day that we met, <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie, I don't, he's, a, he's an idiot. I, I oh, he's a horrible say- bloke. I've actually worked one game against Salisbury when I was working in the low, low leagues. We played him in the FA Vars and he was an awful, awful man. Like, he was terrible. You'd think he, that he was... You'd think he was managing Man City the way it goes on. Yeah, you're right. And it's you You almost want to tell him, like, look, come on, Steve. I know you've, you're a legend of the game or whatever, but let's just have five minutes. This is the Southern League we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. This guy's not got VAR and he definitely doesn't give a crap what he's saying. But he, he actually runs a 12-minute jog around the pitch before games right okay well yeah there's still no reason to be a a rude right. man let's call it that because i don't want to bleep too much out <laughs> <laughs> no you're right he, don't, he doesn't um he yeah he does he doesn't need to be the way he is but i just find it so strange that before a game he was running like a 12 minute run but we are around the pitch i was like thinking uh, <laughs> and if you saw our manager paul fellow here he's about 20 stones so i just laughed myself <laughs> Well, there's a, a lot of people have weird um, like pre-match rituals, don't they? I mean, I remember when I played a few games, well, not me playing, but when I worked a few games away at Yeovil, the physios that were there for a while used to go for like a 10K before a game, um, which is crazy because I'd be way too knackered to be able to function 
as yeah, a working I... member of staff or a player if I did anything in the morning. But but yeah, sorry. So from Evesham, it was... So let's talk about this transition that you made from Evesham to Swindon Supermarine to Bath City in one summer. Yeah, it's, you've timed that well because the final Evesham playoffs was against Swindon Supermarine. Right. So the, the tail was... you afterwards. Yeah, the tails of my highs and lows. I mean, this sounds like corruption, if ever, what I'm about to say, but it, it wasn't. Um, we It went to penalty shootout, and I was the only one that missed. <laughs> so I was the one that knocked Eversham out of the playoffs. And, oh, it's probably one of my lowest moments of my career. Like, the the whole way it was, I went through a big transition of getting fit. Um, you know, I went from 15 stone to about 12 and a half. I actually got lean. I scored probably about 20 goals in that at January to... April period to um you know get us there and um yeah I missed the penalty everyone was like oh man he's obviously gonna score it was one of them moments and I've dragged it hit the post and oh no it's even worse then, when the, it's worse when you don't at least hit the target it yeah I can tell you and when there's <laughs> a, a half a big crowd there you're just like wow it's you want the ground to swallow you up a little bit I was like this is the highs and lows of football right there and I remember being good absolutely good for about a month and then the season's over and I was fit now and I obviously had a good season so clubs are calling and Swindon was one of them and it was obviously they then got promoted in the playoffs so they was the league above and I, I spoke to a colleague which on my manager then and I said look I, I was good I wish it was us that went up because I would have stayed but I want to go challenge myself again mm. back at levels I should be playing at and uh he wasn't happy about that. Obviously, it was uh, it was it didn't go down too well. But I signed there, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a crazy two weeks. I went on tour to I beef with the Evesham boys, a bit of a send off. Mm-hmm. Um, signed with Supermarine, and then I, funnily enough, Collie is good good friends with Jerry Gill, so that's how it came about. So Jerry rang. Collie asking if he knew any strikers that he thought was any good. And Collie, Collie kind of thought, right, I can spite Supermarine here. So he he recommended me. <laughs> and, Brilliant. Then, uh, and then Jerry Girl messaged me. And then we I, I met him briefly for one conversation. And once I knew Bath was calling, um, I was never saying no. And like I mentioned earlier, I, I took a pay cut actually to go to Sumerine, which was the funny thing. I went up obviously two levels uh, and people were like, oh, he's doing it for the money. But actually I took a cut from Sumerine to go to Bath. So it was uh, it was the best decision I ever made uh, in my footballing terms because obviously I met, met yourself and you knew what the crack was like there for, for two years. It was, yeah. the first year was unbelievable and, but, but two years to two playoffs and good we didn't didn't make it what it was but unbelievable experiences yeah like a fantastic club Bath City fantastic experience I had the pleasure of working with you at Bath City and it was only I didn't come into that first season when you made the first playoffs um, I came in during the second um, but in that first season you obviously played um, Wealdstone in the semi-finals of the playoffs didn't you and that's when Brunty had that unfortunate incident with the goalkeeper and got sent off. Do you want to talk us through your experience of that? Because I don't want to touch on it necessarily without being oh, there. Oh, <laughs> there was, a, there was a, like a live murder on the pitch. 
It's only, right. I think only half of his face came off, didn't it? Yeah, and do you know what? The, the best thing is, it probably got me a job with Brody because I was the only one defending him. Uh, there was uproar because obviously, in fairness, Brody's, he's never meant to hurt the keeper. He's mm. gone for the ball. And to be fair to the keeper, he's gone head first at the ball. And fair, that's like unbelievable bravery. But when you've got mm. a size 34 foot coming at you, I'm moving out of the way. <laughs> um, it was, he's caught him. And it all happened so fast. But I just remember uproar. And we were in the goal mouth and someone's pushing Brunt, you know, I'm pushing him back. Like, he hasn't touched him. And I look down and I see the keeper looks like Harry Potter. Like, he's got this massive gash in his forehead. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, Brunty, you've you've done it big time. Absolutely like, polaxed him. He's polaxed him. And I'm still defending him like, he didn't, it don't matter. He didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. I went, <laughs> I went, he didn't touch him too. He didn't mean it. And he's obviously got a straight red. And... I'm kind of trying to calm people down after that. But, I mean, Brunny's a big guy. He can look after himself. But there was about 20 people on him. I'm pretty sure our own team was on him at that time. It was... Right, honestly. It, it was... Bronte is a, a unit of a man as well. I can't imagine with him travelling at the speed, the goalkeeper's forehead stood much chance, to be honest. Oh, um, he, he actually looks even bigger on the pitch, which is frightening because we put our kits on and normally they're a bit oversized and we all look like boys. And uh, but Brunny seems to come on, he looks like four. I don't know how he's managed to do that. <laughs> so, so big, but hell of a hell of a player. Because when he signed in the summer, I, I remember when I signed, they said I learned, they're looking to try again. No one more striker in there was me, John Mills, who was their marquee signing, uh, who I'd played with uh, against a lot of times at Hereford. And mm-hmm. then he said, Oh, Ryan Brunt's. Signed these XX uh, Bristol Rovers. Didn't know anything about him, but just mm. obviously he's got some pedigree. Did I think I'd end up working for him, living with him, plumping his pillows for him? Absolutely not. Uh, it was, it was a, uh, it was a bromance that met from probably from the first day of preseason when he turned up in his SVR Range Rover with Brunny on the back. So I knew it was him. And uh, there's me and my little Honda Accord. I might have even been in my work van <laughs> parked next to him. And uh, yeah, we just it, you just hit off because it was a match made in heaven. Because I know exactly what you two were like in that second season, and what you've always been like together. You are horrendous together because you just wind each other up to a point that there's no there's no turning your back on you and Brunty because something will go missing or something will happen. But it's a, <laughs> it is a match made in heaven. Are you guys still in touch now? I take it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um... Yeah, it was. In fact, I'm actually going to be helping Bernie do some work for him whilst uh, he's got some stuff transitioning uh, with his business. Um, and I obviously can do a lot here at the moment, so uh, I can help him online with some things. So, yeah, we've, we've been in contact. Obviously, he came out to Dubai when I first, uh, when we were still working, and I said to him, Look, I'm staying out here with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, and yeah, and obviously I didn't think I wouldn't be back for another eight months, but uh, it was it was a it was a crazy time. But yeah, we're still in good contact. You know, we still we're still chatting. Um, I was just sending him a couple of pictures actually because it was Cheltenham Race Week, and a couple of years ago, prior to COVID, we was there, so uh, it was some good memories for sure. Absolutely, and you struck up a really good partnership on the pitch. I think that it's fair to say that 
and this is not a criticism in any way, but I don't suppose that either of you really scored like a lot, a lot of goals for Bath when I was there necessarily. I think you both got towards 10 for the season, um, but it was the partnership that you had that sort of set up other players and lended them to score goals. Obviously, Tom Smith benefited massively from you guys playing up front and taking a lot of the attention of defenders. Did you feel like you had a really good connection on the pitch as well as off the pitch? Yeah, I think that's what sparked up. I, I, a big thing which I've heard a lot of the ex-pros say um, coming into non-league is you all get on as people and friends, whereas in the pro game, I think players in your position, you become rivals. Uh, whereas we really, if you know, I, don't get me wrong, we all wanted to play, but there was times where we were in and out of squad mm. and we were happy for each other. Everyone was happy for everyone and it it really really helps and you're right we me and Brentley as a as a as a team I think the first season I might I I was yeah I think it was eight or nine in the end I did get injured in the end like the end part of the season which was a shame but I I cracked up something like 18 assists or something so my his was you know like he scored 12 goals and a few assists mine was less goals but more assists and Sterney obviously always racks up a few and the, the year Tom Smith, I mean, everything he touched went to gold that year. And mm. I think we definitely played a part because obviously as it is now, it feels like now we're gone. It I think it shows that we obviously did play a part. Mm. Uh, yeah. but it, I think it was, uh, sorry, not to interrupt there, just because I was there and was watching it from the sideline. It was, and, you know, not going to criticise anyone specifically or the club in any way, but I think that that squad that was there that season, we lost to Dorkin in the playoff semi-final during, obviously, the pandemic. And it, we had a great squad, obviously, also had Andy Watkins in the team and Frank Artis, Dan Ball, Jack Batten, like all lads who would put their life on the line for the, for the shirt. It got split up a bit quickly the next season. Unfortunately, Bath now struggling a little bit. But you... You and Brunty, I just remember, like, caused so many problems, especially because you used to drift out wide a lot more and you would, you know, spin inside on that left foot and curl a beauty of a cross in for Brunty's head normally. And, you know, let's say 80% of the time he'd put it wide or over, but <laughs> with the 20% he'd put it in. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Well, we'd get Rainsy to overlap us, then he'd kick the ball out of play and it was... Uh... <laughs> The the famous Joe Reigns scoop that just went straight into the grandstands of every game we played at. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the twerk and train station swoop because it would land somewhere near the train station when he's finished with it, that was for sure. I'm pretty sure he crosses. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is just going to start a rumour, but I'm pretty sure he's got a fake big toe because <laughs> if it catches that big toe, it goes like 400 mile an hour upwards. I just... There's always, I've got so many great memories of Bath City and um, one of them is is you. We were sat on a bench and I can't remember who we were playing, but Joe Range was playing right back and someone, I think it might have been Borley, sprayed a ball out to him, switch of play and he's brought it down against someone and like nutmegged them <clears throat> and everyone's like, oh, what a touch, that's amazing. And you didn't say anything until it all went quiet. You went, he'll spoon this out for a throw-in and he tried to cross it, it went straight out for a goal kick and we were like, oh, yeah, good show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fake big toe of him. Um, but another great lad. And obviously, like another player from that season who flourished, really, in the way that the squad was built. But like you said, things sort of ended in a disappointing way, losing in the playoffs to Dorkin. You then made the move to Chippenham, which was a short but sweet 
time, I guess, um, down the road from Bath. What was it that, you know, obviously you moved to Chippenham in the first place. What was it that made you go to Chippenham? And were there other clubs sniffing or was it Chippenham mainly? So, uh, yeah, to, to put a highlight of what happened for me and Brunty, um, the playoffs happened and I knew it was, I knew I wasn't going back. I wasn't enjoying myself and I, I had newer leases of life in other avenues, you know, um, so, and obviously working with Brady was full on. So he, he also, I mean, to, to not talk about Brady so much, but his knees, he's got knees of a four-year-old. So he's, he's, he shouldn't even be playing. I, he has some magic juice go into his knees in London. And he manages to they're, they're like wet paper knees, aren't they? Yeah, he puts, honestly, whatever they have, this magic potion they put in his knees when we went to London one day. He goes, this basically oils me up for 12 months. And whatever it is, it does. It keeps him going because they're, they're, it's unbelievable how, what, how many injuries he's had on his knees and he can walk. But it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, I I knew I wasn't coming back uh, and I was going to stop. I just, like I said, the whole love of it completely went for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it become a dread, which was a shame because Bath's such a, a great club. It, but there was, there was issues which... I, I needed to walk away from and we um yeah and I just needed that new I felt I don't know if it's just issues it was just I needed that new lease of life of yeah you um, just need to change the scenery sometimes isn't it it's one of those things that you just have to change the environment that you're in yeah and I don't think I didn't actually think football was the answer for me I thought there's other other ways of enjoying ourselves in life and Covid had just begun so me and you know, I, we and Brunty as workers as well, like we were working 25 hours a day and then we mm. realised to take a step back, I think. So it, there was all that, but then we wasn't going to play. So the season s- starts again. Uh, I think it started a little bit later than it normally would because of COVID. But then about two weeks into the season, I know the assistant there. And to be fair to Cookie, the manager, he's been trying to get, he tried to get me a Gloucester and mm. um, when I was at Bath. And then he mentioned when he went to Chippenham but I said look I'm not interested I just you know you've got my number if ever you need us well they went to Hungerford on a Tuesday night early doors and they lost 3-0 mm. and, he, and Hosky, Hosky texted me an SOS message saying <laughs> we need you and Brunty to play ASAP and uh, we um, we I actually had the phone call and uh, I'll be honest with you I turned, I turned straight away and said no I'm quite happy not playing and Brunty of all people turned around and went I fancy this. <laughs> and, was, and you two being conjoined at the hip, you didn't have a choice, did you? Mate, we could be the first non-league package deal. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> we uh, we got the same money, the same deal. Brunny negotiated, he was the agent. Um, hey, that must be amazing. Massive wage hike for you if you're on the same as Brunty. <laughs> oh, man, I was like, well, yeah, we'll go for a package deal. I don't, I, it was like these negotiations. <laughs> I was like, well, what do we do? We're like, we kind of, it was one of them. It was like, uh, you know, with the terms where we, we can only train once a week, like, can you fit it around our schedule and we'll give you everything we've got? Because we've, we, you know, we're 29 and he's obviously a bit younger, but we've been around. We don't, we look after ourselves. And we, it's the Saturday game. You're not going to learn a lot on a Tuesday night training. You can train Thursday, do the, the pre-game stuff and then get into it. Uh, and it saves us with our legs with the travelling from Exeter and stuff. So, Cookie, uh, in fairness to them, they were like, yep, 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 just come show your face. We, we need you. 
and fair play to them. It was, it was such a new lease of life of they respected us. They allowed us to have our space, but we remained professional. And, you know, we went to school goals and um, we had a good run, actually. Uh, I think Bronny did get injured after three weeks, but we did like a, a month spell. We said to him, we'll do a month with you and then we'll reassess. Mm. Well, we, we extended that another month. And then obviously COVID did start getting bad again. And then it all started to change. Because you scored, you scored a few goals while you were there, including, is it like, correct me where I go wrong here, but was it in the Vars or the trophy that you scored a winner away at Ebb's Fleet? Yeah, first game. Uh, second game, in fact. We played Braintree on the Saturday. Then we had Ebb's Fleet away on a Tuesday. Me and Brian looked at each other like, oh, fantastic. We've come back at the wrong time. But <laughs> uh, yes, a um, bit of a defensive error. And I've run through on goal one on one. I just couldn't believe my own luck. I think I've actually shanked it, but it went through his legs. <laughs> And uh, the classic money finish, <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just remember laughing to myself, thinking everyone's had this pre season or this pro act like a professional. Me and Brunty have had a jolly up for three months, and I managed to score against them straight away. It was, it was, it was just, it made me laugh. And uh, well, yeah, you two spent the summer doing TikTok videos with each other of Jeremy Carl and stuff like that in your uh, <laughs> in your living room, which I'll never forget being sent randomly one day. Um, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, you show up and you score the winner at Ebbsfleet. And, and how many games did you end up playing for Chippenham then? Because obviously, like you said, you extended it for a month. You scored a few goals. I remember I always kept an eye on how you and Bronte and Sterney as well, who was there, and um, Will Henry moved as well from Bath to Chippenham. Um, yeah, how long did you end up staying there before you ended up leaving? So that season, yeah, you're right. Sterney went in summer. And, and then obviously when we, he was texting us nonstop to say, come over and kind of talk us into it. And then... And then we had the SOS message and we thought, we've got to go save Stern here. He's, uh, you need to pal. But in fairness, the, the club they had there was great anyway. I think they just needed a bit of experience yeah. with some of the younger lads. And you're right, that was when I first met Will. Uh, I, he was at Bath when I had left by then. Um, played against him a couple of times, I believe. But he, he was actually my car school for um, yeah. I, I want to just quickly jump in because you say you think or you believe you played against him. Um, it's actually one of these things where it's funny. He comes up in conversation. He was obviously our last interview topic uh, subject and we talked about a lot of topics. And um, the last time I saw you score a goal and probably the last time I saw you in person was um, against Will Henry. And it was the last game before the first lockdown. It was Hungerford away. I don't know if you remember this. We won 1-0. Yeah. You scored a classic Manny goal where you went through, took three bad touches in a row, I think, yeah. and then managed to like toe-poke it between the keeper's legs. And that was Will Henry on loan at Hungerford. So there you go. Wow. I'll have to remind you that when I get back. I forgot he was at Hungerford. Yeah. There you go. That's that's um, one of those pieces of information that I for some for some reason retained. <laughs> it was, you know what? I remember it was an awful pitch. It was even worse touch. And I remember I've scored, and their defender has lost his head and just swung in the air, and he's actually kicked me. And I went flying after that goal, and I was already annoyed anyway because of that it was just annoying. <laughs> that football I was getting showered at left, right, center. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly I remember that game thinking. Yeah, I've scored it and I've not enjoyed it one bit. So it was uh, a horrible day because I will never forget it because it was I can't think how long it must have been like three, four days before we went into the first lockdown and we were being shoved into a changing room that was big mm -hmm. enough for about ten people. Um <laughs> 
open showers the toilet didn't have a door on it like I always remember that game specifically because Frankie Artis who absolute legend in himself did his interview in his pants because there was no room for him to get changed in the changing room so and then three days later we were being told to social distance from everyone so you know it was a crazy it was a crazy time to be involved in football but then yeah <laughs> and then lockdowns and whatnot but such is life I mean then let's just really quickly talk about things post football or to now so you met your you met your current wife in was it in Dubai that you met her or did you meet her and then travel to Dubai no I actually amongst all the COVID re- regulation restrictions or whatever, I actually did meet her very briefly in London uh, uh yes so she was there that was when we first met and then secondly was in Dubai but the way it all panned out was I was actually going out there to see my friend who lives there he's a teacher over there um right. and me and Bronnie had plans. He was coming out a week later because I actually went there for Christmas Day. I was oh, going nice. over. Yeah, I was going to do the whole Christmas and New Year's with him. And um, Bronnie was coming out a week later and we was going to have a couple of weeks all together and then come back. And well, obviously, when I met Amanda, she was going out there and she had a couple of friends that was out in Dubai. Everyone was going to Dubai because it was like that yeah. no COVID place. Um, yeah. At the time, you and could es- you could was- escape to Dubai for a gap of about three weeks, and you all ran there as quick as you could. <laughs> it w- it literally was that. In fairness, I will say though, my only defence in that was I booked uh, going to Dubai probably in like October. So it's I- not not a criticism from me, mate. The government let you go. It's, it's it was uh, <laughs> it, it was it was one of those moments where we didn't have a summer and all this. So I kind of took the plunge because I had someone there I was going to go mm. live with for, uh, for the three weeks, and um. Well, lo and behold, it, it come back a bit me in the ass because uh, I flew out there and they randomly spot tested me in the airport and a day later it said I was positive. So oh, I, uh, <laughs> I had weeks of having to isolate in Dubai um, and I actually stayed with Amanda because she's a qualified nurse. So she said like, instead of getting my friend infected or whatever, come with me, I've already had COVID. So that was the conversation and... Oh, what a conversation starter that is. Yeah, I've got COVID. Can I come stay with you? It That's was, a uh, romance written in the movies, that is, mate. <laughs> yeah, she's willing to risk her life for uh, for me with COVID. It was, uh, it was what it was. Yeah, and we um, obviously, I, I stayed. Well, actually, the funny thing is we went to leave and I needed to get a negative test to leave. And because obviously COVID was still so new with testing that, I actually, if you test any time after you've been positive for three or four weeks, it still comes back positive. Mm. So after three weeks, it come back positive again. And they tried telling me to re-isolate. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I've just been in for, for two weeks. Well, anyway, <laughs> I had, I'd done another test a week later and luckily it come back negative, but we ended up going to the States and everything was shut down in the UK. So I said to Bronnie, I kind of trying to sit, I kind of took myself off the payroll because there wasn't a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and uh, went on my travels and ended up. The rest is history, as they say. Yeah, got, yeah, from getting married to being in France to coming back and playing the chip again. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was been a, it's been a crazy year, crazy year. Yeah. And now, obviously, happily married and settled in, or sort of settled in Chicago for the last six weeks. And, What's on the what's on the table now for Adam Mann then? What's the plan other than football? 
obviously you've talked to me about other ventures that you might be interested in regarding like podcasting and stuff but is there anything else that you're planning on doing are you still doing modeling and things like that uh yeah so uh, on the modeling side it's funny oh, oh i can claim i'm a model it's unbelievable it's uh, best looking man in football mate <laughs> it goes david beckham adam Mann, and then the rest do you know what? It's the funny thing is, I, I, I do get a laugh. So if you all have been using my picture for the last year or so, I get the sponsored ads come through, but the, the comments absolutely kill me. I get um I get a lot of, oh, they couldn't afford David Beckham. They call me Bavid Deckham. <laughs> that, uh, that always gets me. Uh, uh, amongst the heels of a, the, the abuse, which is uh, it's great. But we've, there is an agent that... Um, is going to do something over here in Chicago and LA. So hopefully we, um, we, you know, get some work and see how that goes. It's a bit of a side venture. I, I don't know what will happen. I'd like to, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, being a British guy over here, you never know. You might end up with some uh, TV stuff. If they want to hear us talk, you get that quite a lot. Um, I don't know if they need any farmers though. Do they, mate? I, do you know what? Honestly, <laughs> it's uh they don't they, they the funny thing is they don't understand the sarcasm thing so when you say things they genuinely believe you and i'm just messing around all the time you know and uh because i think you being there the way that you are you could write a sitcom about the you brunty and sterney sitting in a room like that would be something i would watch the three of you sat in a room talking would be enough to hook me and if you add frankie artis into that as well then Take yeah, a subscription yeah. fee from me, mate, because that's all I need. <laughs> that's it. I'm gonna have to get the boys on the podcast. It's definitely something I've been thinking of doing, and I think it's 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 not just something to give me a little bit of a purpose whilst I'm kind of hanging around here at the moment. But uh, it, I think uh, the world's a very serious place, and I feel like the light-hearted nature of things um, could be introduced in certain ways. And if people want to listen to it, so that's it. You you know, you've got your fat back free and people listen and and it's again you if you listen to anyone that's created something successful it has to start somewhere so exactly yeah you know it's and and if you enjoy you've got to enjoy what you're doing i think i'm going to enjoy waffling to myself on my microphone which i can't figure out how to work at the moment so yeah i think i'll be end up, I'll, I'll end up being roped in to help you set up a podcast that'll end up being better than ours which is uh <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't sound like a fair deal but with regards to um like like go back to football really briefly in terms of when you were obviously you were coming through you've had your career has been based in and around the lower leagues which is something that I think is great because it shows you can have a great experience and a great career in the lower leagues but who's your like personal idol in football growing up was there one specific player that made you want to play or someone you modeled your game after or was it just a love for the sport that's a that's a good question I there's definitely a love for the sport overall which i love it so hopefully i can get involved in football over here in some way um chicago is actually like the main base for uh like the equivalent of the fa um so if there's some sort of role i can get into there that would be great and i that i'm hopeful for something like that because mm -hmm. anyone who's actually a legit soccer enthusiast and fan and actually knows what they're talking about uh, i still need to improve their lingo though they keep calling it half court and up and 90 and I just laughed at myself I trained with that one club Chicago Mustangs and he was on about like a, a set piece drill and he was like right you go half court you get up over here and I was honestly I was laughing he, he looked at me and I was just like smiling to myself thinking this is 
so surreal that you're talking at well i i think our football is like a uk religion so when you're talking about our like religion like this i'm thinking it's almost like they're taking the mick yeah mate yeah. honestly to be fair i've seen you get confused in training sessions in the uk so i can't imagine what foreign well i say foreign obviously it's not necessarily foreign but um a different lingo like you said it must throw you for six. Oh, it really does it was it's just it don't take much for me to get confused and even if i've watched it with my own eyes i still managed to get things wrong i'm so like airhead with it but <laughs> i i will go on away from your question that the idol for me i definitely say i watched the most was ronaldinho i i loved his love for the game and his skill was unbelievable so he made you go out in the back garden and practice what he done yeah that's what that's that's his his charm was that he he made it look fun and he was just so good and obviously Beckham was an idol I I've he's obviously got a club here into Miami now which <laughs> they ain't doing too great but he's you know <laughs> he's created something and he's he's a lovable guy isn't he so everyone loves Beckham I think everyone has a slight mind crush on David Beckham too Oh, 100%. I don't think it's possible to not. But then that plays in your favour, being David Deckham, that, you know, people yeah, can't get Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> They'll take you. I, I sit on the non-league, like, knockoff version of him. It's great. It's uh, just chuck a few tattoos on you. And and honestly, that and a British accent, apparently in the US, they're like, hey, he thinks he's Beckham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that your is that your American accent? Because if it were, that's very offensive and poor. <laughs> Depends which part of the country you are. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, they, uh, I don't they, think that, they, that accent. I don't think that accent was any part of America, man. To be honest. <laughs> oh no. Maybe, maybe Mexico, but I don't think you're in America with that. Just, <laughs> just on tattoos. You mentioned tattoos, and I think me and you are both two people that have got a great appreciation for the art of tattooing, and you're absolutely covered in them to be fair from uh in certain parts of your body i think i talked to you yesterday about the uh the sh like i can't understand how you managed to get tattoos on your neck and stuff like that but are you are you in a position now where you're satisfied done with tattoos or are you looking to get more now oh for sure i've got a lot of work to do um i, I my envision that i'd have my whole back done and then I've got some gaps in my arms and mm. then you've got your ribs and stuff. I'm not looking, I don't know if I'm going to go to the legs. I think the, the whole reason I started getting tattoos was actually to cover acne scarring, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. So that was the reason I actually began doing it on my back. And uh, obviously I met Sean Reagan my first year at Bath City, who is yeah. the legend who tattooed has, you know, been my drawing, I've been his drawing board for the last two or three years. And, uh, you know, again, a, a great friend of mine. And uh, again, this is part of non-league football, which is great. You you meet people that become friends for life and you're in just different sectors. You know, I went from being a roofer to working for Bronte as a sales manager, operations manager and living a completely different life. And you've had Sterny go professional. So now he's like a full time chippy mm -hmm. and clown and ring. Yeah, Full-time full clown, 100 percent. Yeah, and you know, Reigns has got his own gym, and yeah, it's, you you meet different people, and you're intertwined, and uh, yeah, our Riggy was it kicked definitely sped up the the you know me getting to as many tattoos as I did because you know the cost you obviously have recently, yeah. which 
you, it, it definitely dents the pocket, especially if you don't know the person. I was fortunate that me and Riggy kind of, he was learning and I was keen. Willing. So, it was... <laughs> yeah, I was willing. And uh, there is worse parts than others, but I'm definitely got the, bu- the, the buzz and I'll um, definitely keep it going. But I also need to start working before I can afford to do it again. <laughs> And what's the inspiration behind them? Because obviously you've got like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the ones that I know you've got. There's obviously the owl that you've got on your forearm. Um, there's the owl that you've got on your neck as well. And then you've got like a load of, um, I don't know what the best way to describe it is. Are they flowers or are they just shapes that you've got on your neck and chest and stuff? So yeah, that what that officially that design is like a geometric mandala. It's a mix of both. Um, didn't ever really envision that was going to be what I went with, but me and Riggy kind of just well, I, I don't want to say I blase sat there and was like, "What are you going to tell you on me?" But we'd we'd look at things and he'd say, "Oh, what do you think about this?" and "What to do about that?" And I said, "As long as you can incorporate this sort of symmetry with that sort of stuff, then I'm all for it." And I think Riggy enjoyed doing that, and we kind of just went with it with those. Um, those in mind and then yeah it's just uh, once you start got the ball rolling I think I, there was a spell where I was going like every two weeks for a couple of months where we you know like did you play oh, football through it did you play football through having a new one yeah yeah I mean obviously you try to avoid it but I remember a couple of times you'd book a Tuesday in advance like two months in advance and then lo and behold a game would get rescheduled to be a Tuesday night so I have done two or three on a Tuesday after a tattoo which isn't nice you can imagine it's sore yeah. and uh, swollen and whatever I wouldn't advise it but depends what you're also having done I mm. I had my arm done on a Tuesday actually when I was at Gloucester this was a long time ago and my arm swollen up and I remember having the the, the wrap around it and some guy grabbed my arm and I yelped and he was like looking at me like what's wrong and I was like I've been tattooed and then he whacked me again I yeah, mate, don't give it, yeah don't give it away mate because that's the target then isn't it yeah it was it that was the problem so uh I was so naive Oh no, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was. I yeah, I don't know what my inspirations for next, especially now being here. It's it's definitely way more expensive here. You'd be frightened by some of the prices, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, is there yeah. a specific reason that you've gone for certain tattoos, like the owl, for example? Like because you've got a couple that are, well, so you've got a couple of owls and two that are slightly different. Like you said, the one on your neck's more geometrical. The one on your left forearm is more like real like photo realism so is there a reason that you went with the owl or is it just a nice design that you liked it yeah i think i got inspiration like a lot of people go on pinterest and stuff like that and i i, I actually believe riggy wanted to do something like that too and i was like do you know what i like the idea of the doing a celebration mm-hmm. with on my arm and like his yeah. brain dead as that is it was kind of how it come and that was probably my favorite one the owl that he done on my thing the art the eyes pop out he done a bit of color yeah. with it and uh yeah, and then other things, it was just connecting things up. Um, I think, yeah, there's other bits and pieces. You kind of just find designs and go with it. I wouldn't say there's nothing too meaningful as such. Um, but it, uh, it depends what you're after. Exactly. As long as you're happy with it in the end, then that's the main thing. And I think that uh, I absolutely love tattoos. I've just got a new one yesterday at time of recording, hence being sat on half of a seat instead of the full seat because I can't sit down properly. But no, absolutely love, love tattooing. And then the other thing that we were going to discuss very briefly was um, obviously you wanted to talk about your problems with gambling in the past. That's something that has sort of 
I don't know if the word haunted is the best way to describe it, but something that's haunted you in the past. Um, is that something you wanted to touch on really quick? Well, not really quickly, but do you want something you wanted to touch on before we go to another sort of discussion topic? Uh, yeah, we can touch on it briefly. It was, I think, if we're going to nutshell it, uh, it's definitely something that um, I think is a big problem with football. Um, it was definitely something I got sucked into, probably outside of football, but I would say if I was to be honest with players and fans and everyone, I think they're all involved in it. Everyone's as sucked in as, and, and don't admit it, which is the problem. I was definitely one of them. You kind of hide away from the fact that they do it and um, how much they do it. And these, and then the companies, you know, they, they're like credit cards and this and that. And you're, you're asking for trouble really is, um, it's definitely a, a big part of my life, which I, I overcome and, I've paid the price for definitely cost yeah, me a lot of money for sure. Um, but I, I think I'd be a big advocate for betting to be better regulated or just to make people more aware of the problems because a lot of people say, Oh, I'm done with it. And then you'll see in two weeks, that's their sign up for another one sign up bonus and then they're doing it again. So I think, I think it's a conversation that, can go in can go definitely can go to dip, deeper depths but uh for the sake of for the sake of now probably not i think that i think what we'll plan to do and this is something that we haven't discussed in advance is that we will do another podcast in a couple of months maybe um which will be all about that aspect of football if you'd be happy to do that so that we can go into a lot more depth on it and maybe have a have a 40 minute hour long discussion about all the different aspects of it if that's something you'd be interested in yeah I, do, I think yeah I believe I can sh shed a light on it which from a player's point of view and a gambling addiction point of view would be insightful maybe to some people maybe it might resonate with some and it also opens some eyes to people which what actually goes on behind closed doors I'm not saying it's too corrupt but I definitely you know what I mean I think um, like Truro I've just had a big case of players getting banned I think right, five okay. or six uh, and and if I was to say they're not probably the only club I'd be probably bang on with it as well you know there's mm. they're, they've definitely cracked down and got better but there's definitely more to be discussed for sure Perfect. Well, anyone that's listening, watching on YouTube, Spotify, keep an eye out because we will be doing that hopefully in a couple of months' time once Manny's uh, given me his availability once again. Um, but we'll go on just very quickly, mate, to a couple of questions that we did have submitted. Um, I think one of one of the questions has come that I don't quite understand, um, but I will I'll ask you regardless. But the first question we had um, was whether you will be coming back to Chippenham at all. <laughs> yeah it was uh, so officially I, I i won't be um they didn't release anything to say that i'm i'm going it's because it was a little bit unknown but i did speak to cookie and they obviously know that i'm not coming back and uh they and all honesty they don't need me they're touching the playoffs and um they uh they've, they've really kicked on i think they've become the the new biggest club in wilshire no they're absolutely flying at the minute mate and uh <laughs> you know the I was talking to Will Henry a couple of weeks ago, and interestingly, the only real blotch on their season so far is the fact that they lost to Bath City home and away. So, something to be sorted. Everyone talks about the rivalry, but I mean, they should probably thank Chippenham that they they gave them six points because yeah, absolutely. it was they, yeah, it would 
uh, without that, you'd be talking for in the almost impossible one place of relegation. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, in the absolute mire, if they didn't beat Chippenham home and away. But anyway, we'll move away from that. Yeah, we won't touch that. Um, in terms of another question we had, I'll sort of phrase this in a slightly different way to the way it was written. In terms of, are you missing the UK at all? Do you miss um, people that are here, friends, family, or is it something that you haven't really had time to think about yet? Ah, uh, yeah, it's a uh, good friend, AD. Yeah, I do. I do miss the UK. You miss the UK for the friends and you, the camaraderie. Don't get me wrong. I think social media and the way phones are now and the way we can have a conversation like this um, makes everything probably way easier. I think if you've done this 10, 15 years ago, it would have been a lot harder. Hmm. Um, but it's yeah, you miss. I'm excited for the US. So would I say I'm missing the UK right now? Probably not. I think there's a the land of opportunity here, which I'm excited to explore. I'm, I'm all, that's the type of person I am. But am I going to say that I don't miss the, the friends and family? That's, of course, uh, something that comes with a move as such. But it's, it's, I'm also, you know, big enough and old enough to know it's life. And um, I, I wouldn't want to sit on my deathbed I always think to myself, I don't want to sit in my deathbed and think, oh, I wish it, I went to Chicago, went to America. You know, I don't want to have yeah. that regret. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, no, really. I think that's a really fair way to look at it, isn't it? Because, you know, it's not like you didn't know that you would be away from friends and family. You knew that it wouldn't be, um, you know, regular visits and regular pop-ins all the time. And obviously the time difference is another thing. So, yeah, no, I think that, it's a it's a real admirable way the way that you've made the jump and the way that you look at it as well um a guy that me and you know relatively well from our time at bath connor riley low and i'm sure that you came up against him on a football pitch as well a few times i sent in a couple of questions and i know that neither of them are, are going to be taken that seriously necessarily one of them doesn't make any sense what is a nommy or is that a mistyped thing he put the worst nommies player you've ever played with <laughs> So, so Nommies is the card game that we play on the bus. On the way to the <laughs> right, because okay. so, every away trip, you, I'm going to try and recollect now, it would have been you, Sterney, Connor, Jack Batten, Frankie, and one other uh, who would have played that card game every single away trip. So Nommies is the card game. Okay, go on then. Who was the worst? Go on, because from that group, I'm sure that there must have been one. Oh, in all honesty so I can't imagine Sterney being a good bluffer he, no he, he's the worst <laughs> he's the worst player but he always seems he's either unbelievable or he's complete trash <laughs> but guaranteed whatever happens so put it this way me and Sterney always doubled our bets so it was five pound in each it was you know it's five and the game goes on for hours so it's like no money involved but me and Sterney would always like egg each other on that oh if, if you win I'll pay double so you get £10 instead, just me and him. <laughs> and uh, it, it, just made, it just made for good banner, really. Hands down, Frank is the best player, closely oh. followed by Borley, which I will tell you one of the funniest moments I've ever seen on the bus was you can stitch each other up, like, knowingly, mm -hmm. um, and you can play the game to cheat. Like, not to cheat, but you can force other people out of winning. Well, that's obviously the etiquette of cards. I remember Borley done that to Frank to make <laughs> loose. And I'm not joking you, Frank looked at him like he shot him. 
he, he, he looked at him like he had done the worst thing you ever seen. He goes, I, he just kept saying, that, I couldn't believe it. And <laughs> I honestly just remember sitting there thinking, it was like a, it was like a documentary, like a, a sitcom. I was just thinking, this is like a live show going on right now. It was, <laughs> Mate, it was, the heartbreak be, was unbelievable. We'd be sat at the front of the bus and you'd just hear you lot start shouting about something to go with that card game. And usually it was Frank that would you would hear his voice bellowing out from behind us. So I can imagine that I was on the bus that day. Um, but I'm glad I know that that's called Nommies now because I never knew what game you were playing or how you were playing it, but at least I could name the game now. <laughs> yeah, and I tans down, I'd probably say Conor Rylo's the, um, I'd call him Apple Crumble because he'd always do well and then just absolutely die at the end. He'd get pressure <laughs> on him and he would crumble. And uh, oh. he, he just, he can hack it. It's, a, it's for big game players, that game. And he just weren't a big game player. So. It's for the big boys. And Connor just wormed his way into it, I think, by the looks yeah. of it. So he, he just come in, he thought he was from Truro. He's like, oh, mate, I'm a Southern boy. I know this game. We've shown him the ropes. He didn't have a clue what was going on. He's just, we had him from day one. <laughs> adding pegs then yeah. the other thing we had sent in from scott wilson was whether you have ever done it on a cold tuesday night in truro whilst we're talking about truro <laughs> uh do you know what i've done it on a cold night in truro and unbelievably i've done it an fa trophy game on a tuesday night and uh we lost three two and their center half scored all three goals Oh, nice. Who was that? Do you know who it was? Uh, it was, it was either Ben Pugh. His second name was definitely Pugh. It might have been Andy Pugh or something. He was six foot five. And every, every corner? Rory Delap throwing. They were um, from halfway oh. and they would just bring up. But I will tell you, he scored one of the best overhead kicks I've ever seen scored from someone um, for the third. And I remember just driving back, but like it, we got home at like 4 a.m. I just kept thinking to myself, their centre half just scored three goals. And, Who was that uh, for? Was that for Evesham or was it for Gloucester? Or? That was for Gloucester City, yeah. And uh, I actually, yeah, I do remember that game. It was, uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant experience. The pitch was bad. <laughs> just everything about it sucks. And just the fact that they're just, their defender scored three goals. <laughs> it was just one of the memories I'll never forget. Good game for you or not? No, that was that was added to it. I remember one of our players got injured. I went from uh, right wing to left back. And I got absolutely roasted by their wing. It could have even been Andy Watkins. I'd have to look back to see who was playing. But mm. I was getting roasted by some winger. And my manager, for some reason, wanted to blame me for one of the goals because it hit a bobble and it went out for a throw when I went to clip it down the line. And I remember him saying some fruitful words to me. And then lo and behold, <laughs> they scored from the throw in. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it wasn't a great Tuesday evening, but I have done it in a true night on a cold night. Just didn't win it. Fair enough, mate. As long as you put the effort in, that's the main thing. I think we'll we'll go back to cards for the next question because, and I'm sure you know which question this is. It's from our own Dan Ball, the absolute man, the legend that is Dan Ball. Have you ever played naked cards? And I god god, I hope this isn't on the coach on a Bath City <laughs> game that I've I somehow missed. <laughs> Oh, uh, do you know what? Me and Dan Ball have got some great, uh, great memories of the cards. So the the naked, the story of the naked cards comes from football tour. So uh, when we went to Marbella, um, which I will tell you, to be fair to Ross Stern, he will talk your ear off all day. He will score your goals and he will also make a great tour. He can book a great tour. Um, we left it in his hands and we had a villa and it was phenomenal. 
Um, yeah, and Bawley was my roommate and boys being boys. I don't know what happened for them three days or whatever. I was, it was a crazy time, as in just, just non-stop laughs of just stupidity. Um, but I remember me and Bawley had the cards and we labelled our room the naked card room. So anyone who, <laughs> anyone who entered our room, I don't know why we made this rule, but they had to be naked, had to play cards to get in. It was like, oh, a, it was like yeah. a cult. It become mine and Bawley's cult. So you're guaranteed <laughs> that me and Bawley were going to be naked in our room playing cards. And At 24-7 as well. It, you did not enter the room unless you got naked. <laughs> it was a weird, a weird... The more I talk about it, the more it's a strange rule. But when you're drunk, it was hilarious. It was, mate, it was hilarious because people would walk in and we'd be like, no, 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 no. And off you go. And then Sterney would come in and Shockey would get naked. And then it would be friends, they want to play. And anyone want to play cards at that moment. There was a there was a clothed card table outside on the balcony, I would add, but people enjoyed the naked cards just purely for the camaraderie. Um anyway, we that was the rule. But the funny thing is, like I said, because me and Bawley made this stupid rule. I don't know why we've done this this one evening, but <laughs> we were playing cards, and I remember we were playing high or low and four aces come out like in five cards. And it was like the greatest card moment we've ever experienced. Of our life. <laughs> Everyone was like, this is the, we've got it on video somewhere. And, um, I really don't want to see that video. <laughs> you, honestly, you don't. It's so X-rated, but the, uh, the, I remember there was a lad called Strakes and obviously Clarky. They were like, lads, right. We're going to be out at like half eight. We're going to go to this bar. I'm up there. We're like, right. We're getting ready. But I'm not joking. You Bawley would always, We'd be get ready, we get dressed and stuff, and we go out the room, and then he'd bawl it with words. He's like, "Should we play a quick game of naked cards?" So we'd run back in the room. It'd be like quarter past eight. So we'd run back in there and play a stupid game of cards, and then like the lads walk in, they're like, "Lads, what are you doing? We got to go." So all right, all right, right we get dressed and that. We're laughing, and then Bawley would like look at me, and we'd be like kids, and we'd be like, "Should we go play a quick game of cards?" And Sterney would come back. So it's three of us in there now, and it's now like half eight, and the lads are like, "Lads, what are you doing? We've got to go. Like we've got a book table, but we've got this." All right, all right, lads, sorry, last time, last time. Well, anyway, we got, lo and behold, we go outside and then, like, stupidly, we run back in and they left us there. Um, <laughs> and uh, we made everybody really late. But it was, um, yeah, it, that was the reason we, we have officially played naked cards. And um, I will also say, I remember one time at work, me and Bawley have stupid rules. The more I think about our friendship, I just, I question some of our, um, our things. But when, when I, the, in the summer, we'd always say, like, should we play a quick game of naked cards? And one time we video playing naked cards. And I was at work. I was done it in the back of my van. That's a, that's a true story. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm sure that your former employers would absolutely love to hear not only how you're using their van, but also how what they were paying you for at the time. I, know. I was on my lunch break, and you can ask Paulie if you want confirmation, but he, he was like, should we play cookie and eight cards? And I remember videoing him and I was naked in the back of my van. That's, uh, that's just, that's just um, the stuff that went on. And where's Bawley at this time? He's, is he at home or is he at work as well? I actually think he was on his lunch break at home, luckily, because he works in a gym. So uh, <laughs> just as well it was. But it was, do you know what? The funny thing is, they're the stupid things that get you through your day to day. You know, the things you do with your friends and whatever. We don't play naked cards anymore. We'll probably have to 
catch up and do one in the future. <laughs> I was going to say, I will make sure that if I interview anyone from Bath City like Orly, I won't ask him to bring any cards online because I'll end up getting cancelled on all platforms. <laughs> Trust me, yeah, it was it was this silly, silly boy banner. And do you know, it's like that meme where their girlfriends think, what do you, up, what do you get up to when you go away with the lads? We mm. play naked cards. That's with nice, mate. Nice bonding yeah. moment. I like it. Um, I'm going to ask one more question just because we are coming up to nearly 90 minutes talking to each other. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's been good, though. I've enjoyed it. Um, the last one is from Kyle Brooks, who sent you a question about um, the best atmosphere you've ever played in when you've played football and then your favourite American meal that you've had so far. Oh, so hands down, favourite American meal I've had was uh, a pizza place called Luminati's in Chicago oh, unbelievable pizza oh deep dish and they do it as like a sausage base and then they kind of like reverse it so it's like cheese and then like they put like no normal tomato on top like not sauce like actual tomato oh it's unbelievable honestly I can recommend that for anyone and uh the other food that I'd actually had which was a bit of quality was um it's uh, a gumbo, which is like a soup in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know what a gumbo was until I went there, and then I tried it and I fell in love. So it was um, that was a chicken and andouille sausage gumbo. So uh, that's my uh, culinary experiences. I would say with my top top one or two, and Amazing. and uh, football best experience or atmosphere. I would say it was Luton Town away in the FA Trophy for Gloucester. Mm. And uh, we got to over to the last 16, I think it was, and they were a league above. And it was actually, I think it was one of my first starts for Gloucester City. Um, wow. I hit the post, I, I shanked across, hit the post. And unbelievable, do you know what? I just realised their centre-half scored the winner in that. And what we used to do at Gloucester was we used to rush, like, you know, when there's a free kick, you'd rush it to try to get people offside. Oh, he no. ran from... They, they must have obviously done their homework on us and they figured out we were going to do it. And he ran from the halfway line. They just clipped it over us and he just <laughs> ran through and scored. In oh, the eighth no. It was it was an unbelievable bit of play from them and it made us look like a bunch of clowns. But it was uh, just, if you've ever been to Luton, it's not obviously, oh, it's not nice. a fruitful area, but it's a very intimidating place to go. Kenilworth Road is an amazing stadium because it looks like a stadium from the 70s because it is a stadium from the 70s that's never been updated. But it's, it's what, 9,000 people when they're packed out and it's a proper, decent little stadium. It keeps the noise in, doesn't it? It, it really does. It's intense. It's, they're angry people. They Just to enter the stadium as an away team, you go under like a bridge into like mm. the, the thing. Uh, it was just, a, yeah, it was just a great experience. You know, it was, it was loud. The other only other one I would say come close was Torquay um, oh, yeah. at home for Bath. Yeah. yeah, that that was unbelievable. But I obviously I'm good about that one because I was I couldn't play for injury because I played on an injury for three games before that because we had like mm -hmm. twelve players. So I had to play and it kind of forced me out, which was a shame. Oh, mate, got in about that. But then I suppose at least you were part of that like you say, that atmosphere, because that was like Bath's biggest crowd for years and years, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. And you won, was it 3-2, two, 2-1, two, something like that? Oh, everything about that game was unbelievable. We were 2-1 down, they had a penalty, they missed. Then I think Bronny come on and scored. And then he might score two. I can't remember if he scored both, but to uh, bring it back. But 
there was flares on the pitch, there was fighting in the fans. It was everything about that day was unbelievable. And then obviously in the change room after, there's a well, there's a cracking video. I've got the boombox on my shoulder. Sterney's running around like a little weasel and Frank's <laughs> naked. The reason is that he can't be posted because Frank comes out naked with all his glory. So it's, um, it was a great, that was a great day. Comes out naked, pack of cards in hand, knowing what time it is after you've won a game at home. <laughs> well, one last thing I will ask, and it's only because he mentioned specifically that he was really looking forward to listening to this, is you've got to give us one really good Ross Sturm story, I think, if you can. I can... So, I a good Ross Stern story, there's, a, there's many, I would say. I've, I've abused the Ross for many a time. But I will say the the preseason. I think it was the second preseason that we done. Um, we do a training camp in Bath's Uni, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've had a year of getting to know Ross, and he's had a year of getting to know me, and it was full on banter going on. And I always thought to myself, he's going to get it at at this preseason. <laughs> well, I talked to. We were talking a good game, talking a good game. Well, he uh, he actually took my car keys and moved my car. And if you know Bath Uni, as you've worked there, there's many a car park. And uh, he moved my car. Yeah, he moved my car. There's a video of him. Sorry. There's a video of him (laughs) videoing me walking around hopelessly lost. It took me about 20 (laughs) minutes to find my car. And uh, I said to him, I was like, Ross, I'm going to get you back for this. I hope you do know that the the war is on. So we come back into the next day and we played red, I think, in the 21s. And then we had our team back out. Wow. I was like, he's having it. So we're on a night out, on a night out, and I said, I said to Frank, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm going. I've got, I've got things to do. So I, I leave, and um, I go find Ross's van, and I, uh, I wrapped it with cling film, which, <laughs> right. okay. which, which um, I wrapped it with cling film, and luckily, uh, it took me ages. It was actually hard, I think, because the van's quite hard. It's like a, a slope, but. There, there was a video of me and Frank somewhere. We're actually giggling like little kids because Frank actually helped me in the end because he would hold it and I'd run around with it. But when I say I wrapped it, it was a good like 100 metre length worth of cling film. It was complete. I've got a video of it somewhere. But he obviously went on his night out and you're not going to go mm. too far after night out. And I remember us coming down Sunday, up, um, you know, we're about to go home. And I, the video is brilliant because he, he brought this massive fan with him because it was really hot in the uni docks. And... Uh, <laughs> He's walking down with his fan with his flip-flops on, obviously talking rubbish as he normally does. And I just remember 30 of us stood there watching him as he uncovers this cling film on his car. It, is the, it was one of the funniest moments I've had with him. It was, uh, it, was, it was great. I'll have to send you the video of that. It was honestly so good. You will. We'll have to post it to the YouTube channel if there's not too much language on it. Although I can't imagine it's language free. Um, we'd have to wait and see. But yeah, no, I'd have to have to see that. So um, we need to finish off with uh, with an oh yeah each. So ha- talk me through the good oh yeah. So yeah, you just, so if you haven't seen it before, there's, I haven't. <laughs> it, oh, okay, that's where you are. So basically, the the first time I uncovered it was because Bruntley got sent it from an Exeter fan. Sent him a voice right. note going, Bernie, can you give me a oh yeah? And, <laughs> and what you got to do is reply with your like oh yeah. And it, uh, mate, there's endless YouTube videos of this, like people doing it in schools, the things like this. And even funny enough, my my nephew, 
sends me it all the time. He finds it hilarious. He's like, Manny, give me a hug, yeah. Well, you got a seven-year-old kid, it's hilarious. And, um, but they don't understand, like, it sounds very sexual, doesn't it? And, yeah. Well, where does it, ori- so what does it originate from? Do you have any idea? I honestly just know it was online and then it's become a thing. I'd actually love to know where the source of it comes from, but let me tell you, I laugh about the high air possibly every time I, I get <laughs> So if I if I if I go, so what do you reckon? High pitch ish is the best way to deliver it. Yeah, it's I I would say give your best. You you borderline want it to sound sexually creepy. Right. Okay. Sexually creepy, I can do, but high pitch is difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, yeah. How's that? (laughs) I think that's decent. Yeah, just uh, you, this could be a future podcasting for you. I think I might introduce it to mine. Is you just ask for the best high, yeah, and then just an hour of high, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love but it. Go on then. Say, oh, give me a high, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's very it's, sexually creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's it. The creepier the better. But let me tell you, Brendan's got a good creepy one, and uh, I've heard a few. Um, I've heard a few bowers, but yeah, go on YouTube and uh, search that. But your missus might think you're a little bit weird, but you can ask 100%. them. I just throw it out there sometimes when I'm cooking food. I'll just say, just give me a hi. Yeah, and she just replies, <laughs> great. I'll explain the whole process to my wife, and I'm sure she won't get it and won't want to do it, but I'll force <laughs> it. Um, I'll have to make sure that I get Brunty on at some point and um, talk about his football career, but mainly the high year just so that we can get his awfully creepy one on here as well. Oh, honestly, yeah. You you think he's a predator at the moment it comes out like <laughs> not a Not a box, like a football predator, as in like fox in the box, but a sexual predator, just to yeah. clarify for people what Manny means. <laughs> yeah, he, it, it really takes a turn. He goes from one to the other real quick. I really, I genuinely now need to push because I've got, an, we've got an interview coming out next month, which is with a, a, another former football league um, defender who I can't wait to interview as well. But after that, I think I'll have to push it through to being Brunty just so I can get the high year on air. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. That will be worth whatever your interview length is. That five second clip will be, honestly. I might just... I might just get a five-second interview with him. Um, yeah. You know, former, what is it, former Exeter, Bristol Rovers, Plymouth Argyle, Bath City, Chippenham Town Striker. Give us a high year. Okay, very, thanks very much. Perfect. That's it. That's all you need. That's all you need. Live the dream. All right, well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Manny. And thank you as well for listening or watching us on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to follow us, like, share, subscribe on Instagram, and we will see you soon. Much love.